0: The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.
1: Today FM. I want to look at the issue of remote working now and start though by discussing the price of petrol and diesel for people getting to work. Uh, with many people complaining now about prices of over €2.10 per litre. Uh, Geraldine Herbert is a motoring journalist. Have you heard of any going higher?
2: it depends where you are and it depends how busy the filling station can be because prices can fluctuate during the day but I mean there are there has been some reports of it going not much higher but higher so it definitely is hovering around the two euro mark nationally at the moment
1: I wonder how far does it go before it starts making it unaffordable for people
2: well, again, that definitely is a consideration. And what's interesting about fuel prices, different age groups are impacted. There was an interesting survey that came out last month that said actually it's the 25 to 34-year-olds who are probably spending the most. And they're probably the people who are renting as well and don't have the same options to work from home because their accommodation is probably not suitable. So it is definitely impacting, you know, different, different groups differently.
1: Any indications that employers are being flexible in the way that they were required to be by the state for COVID, but that they're even themselves now saying, well, look, we understand that unless you have to be in work, you might be better off staying at home because it's so expensive for you to get here.
2: Yes and no. I mean, I think there are people who are working from home and it's worked out well for them. But I think in terms of the traffic patterns, we're still seeing a lot of people on the road. What's interesting is, though, the peak traffic is sort of gone. So we now see people travelling throughout the day. Now, what that indicates really is that employers have been probably more flexible about starting times and finishing times. But definitely there's a lot of people still going into the office. There's no doubt about that. But whether or not that that actually suits them better, you know, working from home doesn't suit everybody. And I would imagine that a flexible working time and, a, and working in the office probably is an attractive option for a lot of people.
1: We're getting lots of messages from listeners as to the price in their local four courts. One in Carlo. €2.10 for petrol, is about what we said. Another one, Balbriggan in Dublin, €2.15. Balanagh, €2.16 for petrol. Another one says in Dundalk, it's jumped 10 cents since 10am this morning. In Kells in County Meath, €2.25 a litre. Kilrush County Clare, €2.25 a litre as well. What about the possibility, Geraldine, if people can't work at home, but it costs them too much to leave rural areas to go to larger urban areas for work that they could go to some sort of remote hub.
2: Yeah, I think this is an interesting idea, Matt, and anything that offers people more options is always to be welcomed. But I, I'm wondering about really the, how cost-effective this would be. I mean, I live outside of NACE and I work from home and I just put in, the, um, my say I wanted to dedicate a desk for a month in the connectedhub.ie this morning, and I was given four options and they ranged in price from 233 a month to 492 Now, I don't see any saving in that, Matt. And what would you get for that? When you get everything, you know, you're not paying anything else. You, you've got your desk, your electricity, your heating, all of that is provided. And you have car spaces. And in some places, depending on kind of the level of, of luxury, there's showers provided. So, I mean, that's, that's all you'd be spending. But, I mean, you'd still, you'd want to be, you know, spending an awful lot commuting a, a month to make for that to be, you know, saving
1: money. Some more c- prices coming in. Mullingar, €2.20.9 per litre. Uh, two euro fifteen in Enniscorthy. Two euro seven twenty seven in Sligo. Two euro nineteen in uh, Donegal. Two euro fourteen in Shanagari in Cork. Two euro nineteen in Castlebar in Mayo. They are flying in from listeners who are clearly very aware of what they are paying. Tracy Coe is co-founder of Grow Remote. Tracy, you've been with us before, but for listeners who may not remember, remind us what Grow Remote is, please.
0: So Grow Remote is a non-profit. We're in 144 communities across Ireland and our goal is to uh, free up employment so that it's available and accessible to everybody across Ireland.
1: Okay, so how are you involved with remote hubs?
0: So um, we work with systemic change around the world of remote work. So actually um, a point was made there around the savings for employment hubs. And what we do is work with employers to first build a culture so that they're happy and uh, very confident in their ability to have a location agnostic workforce, so a remote workforce, um, and then build hubs into that model. So companies are now looking at paying for hubs as an alternative to main office space. And that's where the big saving is for everybody because the employee isn't paying directly and the employer is benefiting from the cost saving.
1: So it could be that maybe a lot of workers, for reasons of rent or housing costs, might be living 30, 50 kilometres away from the main office, but they can go to some local area hub there, share it with people from their own company and maybe other companies and get their work done from there and save on the costs of commuting.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, there's 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 an idea of you know what is in these hubs and there's desks there's printers, there's whatever else. But in a lot of hubs across Ireland, there's a vibrancy and a soul that you're not gonna get anywhere else really in a a local rural or regional village. And I suppose that's the stuff that really can't be measured, that integration within the local community. Um, And that's a big part of it. And there's an idea with remote work that it's always Dublin versus the rest of the country. But companies like Shopify, one of the largest remote employers in Ireland with 800 people across the whole country, they've got no offices. And this is decent employment, careers, you know, pensions, all that stuff. They don't have any offices. And the, the companies that are coming up along in the remote working space are building without main offices. So they are actually relying on this infrastructure of a hub network to be able to um, hire staff who aren't able to work from their
1: home from, for lots of different reasons. Now, how is this working in conjunction with the government's plans? Because one of the reasons we're talking about this today is not just because of the ever increasing petrol prices and the concerns people have about the affordability of being able to use their car, but uh, the government's plans as announced today, they apparently have 242 remote working hubs, community or state funded at present out of a plan for 400 in a five year, one rural future plan. So how do the likes of your organisation grow remote and businesses coordinate with the state in those hubs?
0: So ConnectedHubs.de is where you go um, to find all the local hubs um, that are that are close to your workforce. But I would say that where we are in the market right now, so it's really interesting to see the, the 10,000 spaces free, right? What we need to do is use, um, when people are using those spaces in these hubs, to incorporate that as part of pilots in organisations, so that they're again embedding it within the everyday like when you get hired in with you for example the ESB, uh you'll be offered a work from home stipend to get your office you'll be offered a co-working stipend or you can come up to the main office and those are the three pieces so it, there's there's a little bit if you look at the change and where we are kind of in the, in the spectrum of change there's a little bit to do before um every company is offering hubs as a as an option for working there's a cultural piece and so we we have a a programme called the Alliance we've got CEOs of some of Ireland's largest um, enterprises and our HR leaders meet on a monthly basis and discuss these very practical issues around health.
1: Yeah because Tracy it just strikes me there that maybe some people are left in a situation where they might have to go to (laughs) their employer and say look I don't want to come into the office. I can't afford to do so. I can tell you that I can get more work done, but I don't necessarily want to stay at home. I'll sort out a hub for myself. Or do they find that the companies are been proactive in accessing hubs and offering the opportunities to their employees?
0: So it depends on the company, and again, say if you look at if you look again, the spectrum of change, right? So if you look at the companies who are on the transition to remote, who aren't quite sure about where they are yet, they don't have any co-working side bends. If you look at um, Glowfox, their co-founder, Sinn Haggerty was in the Aractus a couple of weeks ago, briefing the government on this on this issue, and they have built in co-working site as part of their model. They're very comfortable with the remote. So all the world's largest kind of remote employers, Automatic Lab, Hotjar, Shopify, etc., they all have co-working site built in. Our challenges. Is that those employers are not well enough known in Ireland. And remote employers, we partner with the world's, uh, the majority of the world's largest remote employers, they tell us that Ireland doesn't have a remote-ready workforce. And part of that is not knowing these companies, but those companies do have hubs built into their model from the get-go. You'll get hired and they'll say, if you want to work in a local hub, we'll give you the 250 a month or whatever.
1: Yeah, What do you make of this government scheme today where they're going to give vouchers uh, for free access on a certain number of days to local digital hubs?
0: I think it's really good. We're going to meet Minister Humphrey's on in the coming weeks because it's really good, right? But we don't want this to be a one-off deal. Like you you, you used the example of a manager or somebody going into their employer and saying, oh, please, can I may, you know, maybe. And and maybe then if you get trusted, you might be allowed. We need to build it in so that it's long-term systemic change. So if it's part of a wider pilot project with large companies who are looking at the transition and it can move into the phase where it's built in, then it's hugely, hugely beneficial. I mean, it's, it's, it's possibly tr- transformative, it that. And, and I think the way that they've done it is, is a brilliant way in terms of, you know, community development should be there to fund communities to solve for their own challenges. And then it's up to groups like ours and hubs themselves and, and people within these
1: communities to say, here's what we need and here's how we're going to do it. Okay, a lot of very interesting comments coming in from listeners. So once again, the frontline workers who are not able to work from home and have to go into their workplace get no help. Just like during COVID, the lower paid workers in retail and hospitality would still have to travel with no support from the government. Not everyone works in an office or can work from home, which is a point very, very well made. And Mike in Wexford said, these hubs are not available in all areas. I live over 60 kilometres from where a hub is located in Wexford. What is the use of that? Another one, I have a daily trip of roughly an hour to work, can't work from home as I'm in the construction sector. It's costing me €150 a week in diesel. That's €600 a month before I have to pay for heat, food, electricity and all the other bills and my mortgage payments too. I'd be better off on the dole at this stage. Uh, quite a few like that. And then, it's an interesting one, this is maybe a side issue, but an interesting one for you, Geraldine. Ellen in Kilkenny says, I'm trying to buy a new new electric car, but they cannot be found. How are we supposed to keep affording these fuel prices when we have no alternatives? As I live in rural Ireland, I've rung numerous garages and no one has a suitable electric car for sale. I've crunched the numbers and with the grant from government and the savings of fuel, it would be cost neutral for me to have a new car. Also, what about our carbon budgets? How are we to reach them if people can't can't change to electric cars. Is there a shortage of available electric cars, Geraldine?
2: Yeah, there's a shortage of new cars at the moment, Matt, and it's all down to this global chip shortage. And unfortunately, electric cars use more of these chips than your average car, so they've been very much impacted. They've also been impacted by the Ukraine crisis because there's various parts that came from the Ukraine that can't be found in other places. So there is a, a huge issue at the moment in terms of if you're buying an electric car, you'll be waiting a very
1: long time. All right. Geraldine Herbert, motoring journalist and Tracy Kyo, co-founder of Grow Remote. Thank you very much for joining us. Another interesting one here, 20874-100-102. I'm a civil servant who worked from home during COVID with no issues, but now upper management want people back in full time and won't give any reason why. Well, that's very interesting because if the government is concerned about emissions for environmental reasons, if it wants to keep uh, have less traffic on the road, save people from unnecessary costs of travelling. If the work can be done equally as well, then why not let civil servants do it from home? Or is our government populated by Elon Musk types who think that people are not as productive when working from home and that they do better when they're working together in the office? Zero eight seven four one hundred one zero two gives you the last word by text or by WhatsApp.